So Colossians chapter 3. That is stunning how many people have worked. Colossians chapter 3 is the man of love chapter of our says that as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So that gives us a pretty good clue as to what we do to kind of remove some of the confusion. All right, I'm a Christian. Now what is expected of me? Uh, we're to grow. Think of it this way. The, the theme of the Old Testament, let my people go. Theme of the New Testament, let my people grow. So what are we doing to grow, and how do we grow? Kind of the same things that we mentioned briefly this morning. We worship our Father. That helps us grow. We, we're praying. We're singing. We're remembering what Jesus did. We're giving as we've been given to. We are focusing on the Word of God together. We're spending good quality time with good quality people. We're doing Jesus kinds of things, and it's just helping us to grow. That's the beauty of Colossians chapter 3 because it helps us in pursuit of the answer, now what do we do? Now specifically, what are the nuts and bolts of Christianity? It can't just be, oh, I have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus is my personal Lord and Savior, and he loves me and I love him. And that's, that's so good to have a great relationship with the shepherd. Okay, that, that is, that's the first step. But that is, that is just the beginning of a wonderful life with Christ and in Christ and for Christ. Now what? There's more to Christianity than uh, getting motivated to worship. You know, there, I don't believe this is true of, of the majority of us. But in some Christian communities, the focus can be, all right, let's get all fired up for worship. We go Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then we get all fired up to come back on Wednesday, and then we get all fired up to come back on Sunday morning, Sunday night again in Bible class, and that's great. I mean, I, th I think that is essential to, to spiritual survival. I've never yet met a, a faithful, functioning, productive Christian that wasn't just enthusiastic and then so, about the forever family reunions. It's like, how can you be a great and wonderful and happy member of your physical family if you never want to be with any of them? And that doesn't add up. I'm not good in math, but that math does not compute. 
If I love my family, my physical family, I want to be with them. I want to communicate with them. I want them to help me. I want to help them. Interaction, interaction, interaction. Church family. Got to be the same thing, right? But there is so much more to Christianity than just the family reunions. And I'll say this. If Christianity were only about the family reunions, the worship, the assembly, the togetherness, it'd still be pretty special, wouldn't it? But there is so much more than just the assembly. There really is. And Colossians 3 is guiding us into that. So now what? Remember from this morning, you're raised with Christ, verse 1. We're seeking those things, not around us always, not below, but we're thinking and seeking. We're in full pursuit of those things which are above. It must be a relentless pursuit of spiritual, heavenly, elevated things. Where Christ is, that's why to pursue, that's where Jesus is, sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth, challenging to do because the things on earth are pretty shiny, they're pretty tantalizing, they demand a lot from us. Verse 3 says, again, just like my letter from Lowe's, you're deceased, but this is a good dead. You died, and now what? Your life is hidden with Christ in God. He's Wrapped around us, insulation for us, protecting us. Notice verse 4, where we ended this morning. When Christ, when Christ who is our, our um, hobby, our habit, our part-time relationship, he is our buddy, he's our pal, he's our None of that is in my translation. It's much greater than that when Christ, who is our life, that's everything. We used to sing that, that song, he is my everything. He is my all. He is my life. Hey, do this sometime. If we really want to get down to cases and see who we are and how we are, ask the people that know you best, what would you say is my life? Would they say grandchildren? That's important. Children, that's important. Job, that's important. Hobby, habit, my sports team, you know, my golf game, whatever. You know, what would the people that know us best say is your passion, is your life? If the people that know us best are not answering Jesus Christ, then maybe they're not mistaken. Maybe they're picking up on clues that they're getting from our conversation, from what angers us, from what excites us. They know. And so let's listen to them and let's, let's grow from that if we're not getting what well, Jesus Christ is your life. How do we know if he's our life? Because he is the main subject of our conversation. You can look at our checkbook and see the financial commitment we're making to Jesus. You can, you can look at how we're budgeting our time and see, yes, Jesus matters. I'm talking about him. I'm trying to bring others to him. I'm trying to follow him. I'm singing about him. I'm rejoicing because of him. I've got plans to be with him forever. He is truly my life. And nothing comes between me and that pursuit of Christ. You know, my Sunday night just got a lot better. I just looked over to my left and I saw Mary Jane Willingham behind. Is that you, Mary Jane Willingham? Do you have a Lowe's credit card? You do not? 
good. I'm getting So this morning, Janie Simpson, first time since March, last March, able to be with us. Sue York at the 1030 service, first time. Mary Jane is with us. Got her buddy taking care of her. Y'all are praying for Mary Jane and Dewey, of course. What a, what a caretaker is seated over here to my left. I have the best job in the world. I get to be with people like that. Wow. Amazing. Amazing people in the house today. And also, I'm sure, joining us online. So he's our life. And when he appears, guess what? We get to appear with him. Do we deserve that? Never. It's just a gift. It's, it's God's grace. We get to be with him. Don't you like to be with special people, even if you're not as special as they are? It's kind of a treat, isn't it? We get to be with the most special one of all. Okay, here's the fine print, so to speak, of Christian living. Therefore, we're, we're answering the question, now what? Therefore, put to death. We talked about how there's a bad dead, where we're dead spiritually, we're separated from God. There's a, there's a, there's a good death where we're separating ourselves from the toxic things, the thing that break God's heart. But uh, there's a death here that we want to embrace, isn't it? Therefore, put to death, separate yourselves then from what? Members which are on the earth. Things of this life that are expensive but maybe not valuable. Temporary. We don't want to choose temporary things over eternal things. We want to choose the permanent over, over this. We want to choose things made by God rather than things made by man. And he gives us a list. Again, all in answering the question, now what? The first now what, if you're writing these down, seek those things above there at the beginning of the chapter. Now what? Number two, I'm, I've lettered these in my Bible in the margin. So B is put to death. Separate yourself from what kind of things? Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Why do people create idols? Because an idol can give me maybe permission to live a certain life that God would never allow. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon you, the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Actually, in some ways, we were dead in them, weren't we? And now I've put letter C beside verse 8 because of the focus here on the now what. But now you yourselves are to put off all these and then he adds more to the list, anger, wrath. What is the difference between anger and wrath? Anger, think of that as a, as a quick burst of energy that is toxic, right? Usually. It's kind of like my dad many, many years ago. He was, he was burning some brush out in our backyard. He had a he had a styrofoam cup in his hand because the, the, the wood was a little bit wet. He had a styrofoam cup in his hand. And he, well, he's from Bruton at th those days, born in Sylacauga, but lived in a lot of Bruton in him then. And he had gasoline in the styrofoam cup. Y'all ever done this? Do not do this. And he stands there at this fire trying to get it going, and he tosses the gasoline from the cup into the fire. I'm standing next to him, prepared to be impressed. The fire literally chases that gasoline all the way up to the cup and burns the cup out of his hand. That's, that's anger. That, that's an explosive reaction. That's like pouring gasoline on a fire. Wrath, wrath is like a slow 
burn. It's like a, a, a seething thing that can just eat your insides up. Is that, does that sound healthy for any of us? Remember in uh, Ephesians 4.26, maybe the most helpful passage in our Bible as it concerns our relationships with each other, particularly in our, our marriages. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. And we get that. We understand we need to deal with it and get it over with and not let it fester and become more infected and go on and on. Find ourselves arguing about something next week that happened five years ago. We just changed the labels of it. But we're still aggravated about that event. Okay, we, we know better than that. Right? But then the next verse, after Ephesians 4.26, talks about neither give place to the devil. So what are we learning from that? That the devil can use our emotions as, as a, an entryway into our heart, into our family, into all of our relationships to cause us great harm. So it's no wonder then that this would be on the list. Now we're a Christian. Now what do we do? We work on our anger management, our wrath management. And then he goes on, malice, blasphemy. You know mostly the word blasphemy is just evil talking. We normally associate, you hear the word blasphemy, what do you think about? Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. I never want to be guilty of that. True. But also we don't want to be guilty of blasphemy against anybody. Blasphemy is just saying bad things about people. And we're told now that we're Christians, now what? We get past that. Filthy language out of your mouth. Hey, what is the best way to stop saying bad, dirty words? To stop having bad, dirty thoughts? Uh, a bad mouth is not so much a mouth problem as it is a heart problem. What did Jesus say? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay? So, and by the way, also... What will help us, and you know this, we got to be careful what we're listening to on, on television, some of the music that, that is played, some of the people that we're, we're running with. Back in the day when I used to play golf, I was in a, in a tournament one time, and I was paired up with some people, and, and every time they'd hit either a good shot or a bad shot, and they hit more bad shots than good shots, I had rubbed off on them, they would say something bad. They would say something foul, and, and it was just really frustrating to me and it's one of those situations you've probably been in one like that too and and you're thinking I hope the Lord doesn't come right now because I'm in a situation I really don't feel good about and the Lord doesn't thankfully the, the best way to get past that in a golf outing or something like that is to for me to work in the conversation what do y'all do for a living and then we get it back to well what do you do for a living well I I preach and it's amazing People then suddenly, I'm glad for this, but I'm, I'm sad about this. Suddenly people who could not control their tongue, their heart, they can do that because they're in the presence of a preacher. And I'm thinking, how offensive that must be to God. I didn't die for these folks. I didn't give them a Jordan or a, a Josh or Jenna, one of my children. God gave his son. And they care more about what I think about the language than the Father thinks. So one thing that will help us to clean up our talking, best we can, avoid people who talk that way. And can we muster the courage to say to these folks, please, please don't talk about God that way. Please don't do that. Don't, don't start an argument about it, but just, you know. Let me ask you this. If they were talking badly about your wife, your mama, would you say something? Or would you just let it keep on going? 
Christ is our life. Seems like we should shut that down before we shut down any other kind of talk. So we want to work on our heart. Best way, of course, is to avoid the, the, that, that stuff coming in, that sewage coming into our ears. And then, you know, garbage in. We're human. Garbage in and some garbage might start coming out. So we're Christians. Now what do we do? We, we work on our speech, right? Uh, do not lie to one another since you again, what's the motivation here? You put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man. Don't you like this? He, he's he's uh, teaching them and us the principle of replacement. We're, we're getting rid of the bad light bulb and we're putting in a new light bulb. We're, we're getting rid of these bad tendencies, these old man ways of behaving and we're replacing them with something much better. We're getting rid of the devil, we're getting the devil out of us and Jesus into us, to put it more specifically. See that, see that line in verse 10? The man who is renewed in knowledge, like a spiritual birthday every day, according to the image of him who created him. That's our goal. Not trying to be more righteous than somebody else. That, that, that's kind of faulty philosophy of life, isn't it? I'm okay because I'm doing better than she is. I'm okay because I'm doing better than he is. My kid's not so bad because he's better than your kid. You know, what? We, we can always, you know, that comparison thing, we'll always find somebody doing better than us. We can always find somebody doing worse than us. That's why our goal is Christ. That's why we wear the name of Christ. We're trying to... Follow him. What did, what did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 11? One, be imitators of me, even as also of Christ Jesus. He's the one that we're trying to do. Just try to be better than the person we were yesterday. That's a pretty good goal. Just try to be better than that person we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we are today. And that's a pretty good life. That's a pretty good answer to the now what. We keep on being renewed. We keep on seeking after the image of him who created us. And notice, don't you just love that? Because we're living in a world where, we're, where people are labeled, labeled based on their size, labeled based on their uh, grade point average, based on their uh, strength or their weakness, based on um, the clothes, the label on the clothes, based on where we go to school, where we don't go to school, based on the team we root for or who we vote for, the color of our skin. Did I mention that one? And, you know, just so much, so much categorizing and, and you're kind of just stuck over there and we're over here and there's a lot of walls and, you know, there's no. So what, what, does, what does Paul guide us here to? He, he says that, um, verse 11, where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. He's talking about what we have in common and it's Jesus Christ. And if he were writing that to us today, he would say, there's no black, there's no white, there's no brown, there's no this, there's no that. We're all just together in Jesus. Therefore, verse 2, anytime you see a therefore, you've got to figure out what is it there for, is to, again to answer the question, now what? As the elect of God... And, and that, that, that word can actually conjure up our usage of the word elect or election. It's like God has voted for us, the devil has voted for us, and we cast the tiebreaker. And we, we elect to be with God. The elect of God, holy, holy means set apart for special purpose. We're not of the world. And beloved, 
And here's the, you know, we're replacing the bad with what? We're putting on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Can you imagine how wonderful our, all our physical families would be and the Lord's spiritual forever family would be, our workplace, school place, every place would be if we just take this section out of the now what chapter of our Bible and, and, and apply this. Tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. And then 13, bearing with one another. That's not popular these days, is it? Forgiving one another. Share this passage with people that are in conflict with others. Forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, publicize it. You got a Facebook account? Publicize it. No, 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 no. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Well, that's no fun, is it? Where's the scandal in that? Where's the adrenaline rush in that? Now what? Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, now he has shared so much good with us. And now he's saying, and I'm going to say something now that's more important than anything else I have said. Put on love. And now that makes sense. If we get the love right, all these other things under that umbrella fall into place. It is the bond of perfection. It's kind of like all these things are tied up in that bond together. And let the peace of God. Rule in your hearts, to the which also you're called one body. I love this phrase, and be thankful. See, we're thankful because we got the unity and we got peace. Remember Psalm 133, verse 1. David said, Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. One, one thing that helps us in understanding the value of unity is the peace that's connected with it. When you have unity, you have peace. When you have peace, you have unity. Um, and we as Christians, we're all about peace, aren't we? Who's Jesus? Isaiah 9, 6, Prince of Peace. Who is God? 1 Corinthians 14, 33 and 34. He's not of confusion, God of confusion, but a God of, of peace. What is the gospel? Ephesians 6, 15 is a gospel of peace. It's not war. It's not conflict. It is, it's bringing us, it's, it's a, a ministry of reconciliation to help us get together with each other and to get together with our Heavenly Father. Peace. It's a glorious, so now what? We're pursuing peace. It is to be the rule of our heart. And then look at 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom and teaching, admonishing one another, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing. Were you singing earlier? With grace in your hearts. You know who the audience is in our singing, right? To the Lord. We're, we're also, according to what Paul told the church at Ephesus, we're all edified by the singing of our fellow Christians. But Jesus is the one we're principally singing to. We're making a joyful noise in his direction. By the way, the word worship, it means to kiss towards. And so we're kissing towards those that we love the most, our Father and his Son. Don't you love 17? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with 17. You wonder, he going to go the whole chapter? No, I'll stop at 17. I would say to you, keep reading the rest of the chapter because he branches out. And now what goes into our relationships in the home, 
with our employer-employee relationships, and he just covers a lot of important areas of our life. So even though I'm quitting, you please don't quit on this great now what chapter. But 17 sums it up so well. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's a fancy way of saying that we're all about him now. Our words should honor him. Our deeds should honor him. And that's the test we give. I, I was in a pretty heated argument with somebody years and years ago. And I'll confess, I, I think I was right. I think my attitude was good. But, you know, probably the other fellow would say the exact opposite. And he may be right. Okay, because when we're emotional, you know, we're not good judges of our behavior. We can't be really objective about ourselves. But he was, he was letting me have it pretty good. And I, I, I didn't know how to back him up, really, and, and just get, so I just said to him, I said, do you think God would be pleased with how you're talking to me now? And that helped. That helped. And I've tried to use that with me imperfectly many times, but I've tried to let that be a test of, would, would God be proud of what I just posted or what I'm about to post? Would he be proud of how I just talked to my kids, my grandkids, my wife, my brother, Sister Christ? Would, would he be proud of, of how I talked about someone? That, that just kind of gets it right back down to the basics. Is God pleased with me? Not am I pleased, not is my neighbor pleased, but is God pleased? We are about the business of trying to please. By the way... God is oftentimes much easier to please than people, and that's a good thing. Colossians 3, now what? We're told there, many good things we get to do in the body of Christ, to grow, to grow, to grow. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much for loving us, for giving us an opportunity to study again your word. Thank you, Father, for those who have joined us online tonight. Thank you for those who have joined us in pew Thank you for those that are with that and learning so many great truths from this great teacher. Thank you, God, for never giving up on us, for loving us, for leading us through your word. And thank you that we can look at a chapter that tells us now what? That helps us to know the, the kind of the nuts and bolts of Christian living. And we understand, Father, a lot of this is common sense, but... These days, common sense is not so common, and we need this instruction. I need this instruction. Help us, Father, to embrace this teaching. Help us to, to do the things we need to do to make you proud of us, to make you pleased with us. Forgive us of our failings, which are frequent. Help us, Father, to be as forgiving to all people as we desperately need you to be towards us. Father, uh, we pray for those that are sick, those that are sad, those that are hurting. Bless these people and help us to do what we can to bless them. Father, it's so good to worship you today with, with people that, that we haven't seen in a while. We've had babies here today for the first time, and we're so thankful for that. We've had some others that have been struggling with some issues who thankfully, as, as a step of faith, have, have returned to this facility and we're, we're thankful, God, for this good event, this good news. Will we pray, God, your protection on us moving forward, not just from COVID, but also from, from the devil and whatever he would throw at us spiritually that could wreck our souls. 
Thank you again, God, for Sundays. Help us to look forward to the next one. If we need prayers of the family, if we need to confess sins, if we need to repent, help us to take that step tonight. If we need to make the wonderful decision to put on Jesus in baptism, to let him truly be our life, having our sins washed away in the waters of baptism, where we contact his, his cleansing blood, help us to do that this evening. We love you, God. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus we pray, amen. If we can help you, would you come, please, while we stand and sing?